Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for uh, budget versions of movies that you liked. Uh, I'm Caleb. And uh, I'm just a poor old uh, space worm farmer. <laughs> uh, how are you? Uh, fine, I guess. I slept in quite a bit today because we were up till about, what, one thirty, two o'clock playing Magic Two? Gathering? Yeah. I think two. Yeah, it was fun to hang out with Jimmy for a little bit. Yeah! He's he's quite a good magic player, quite versed. Um, kid's a contender, so. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a feels bad man whenever uh, Bill and I have been playing for a few weeks, and we're like, ah, we're getting good at this, and all of a sudden, you and Jimmy are like, <laughs> nah. And then, and then you're caught in our crossfire as like we both take the nuclear option on each other. And Bill, Bill and I, there was one point last night where Bill's like, "Damn, we have to team up." And I'm like, "Bill, I'm pretty sure there's nothing we can fucking do at this point." Hmm. <laughs> so it's the thing is like, uh, I I understand the the power level discrepancy, like especially that deck that like you were essentially raging out at me about because it i i I freely admit that it's kind of a big pile of horse shit but like um i've i've been tuning and tweaking and constructing that deck over the course of four gregorian calendar years um so yes it's it's quite good um that's like i don't know i i still need to play test it sometimes but like i try to power down where i can to Mm -hmm. like actually have a fun game uh i think jimmy has no such intentions (laughs) well also jimmy has uh four sensei's divining tops so i don't think he really cares yeah which he apparently didn't realize uh he can just sell for like 350 dollars yeah so so there's that uh as to not anger my girlfriend uh, how are you doing? You you had inventory today uh, after playing Magic the Gathering until two in the morning. Yeah, I did. Um, that all went super smooth. I've I don't know. I'm I'm just really impressed with my team. We got everything done really quick, and I I was out of there in a couple hours. So there you go. Um, I don't know if I talked about it on the show yet, but like, uh, they want me to go assistant manager at another store so like i'm going to be moving sometime and i don't know when and i'm oh. getting very anxious about it I'm surprised they haven't told you when when will then be now <laughs> it's kind of how it works you with should, my that's, company it that's seems what you like, should walk like, up to your manager and be like when will then be now and then uh, if he says soon that's when you know he's a real yeah. one <laughs> i don't know it's We've also like been having staffing issues at 
at my store. So like, um, I don't want to jump, just jump ship either. Cause I know like the, the manager at the new store that I'm going to like really wants to get me there as soon as possible. But so I don't know. I don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah. As for my work life, uh, it's better this week. I, I actually, actually, I shouldn't say too much. Uh, I'll just say I had a very nice Friday and leave it up for everybody else's interpretation as to what I mean. Do you knock off and have a nooner? Or <laughs> no, but I didn't, I didn't do a lot. I didn't do a lot until about, uh, I was like one thirty, where one airy messaged me like, hey, we have 10 checks for people's time card, the cards that we missed. And I went, cool, thanks, guys. So I printed those 10 checks off, and then that was like the busiest part of my day. Yeah. With that, I don't know. Uh, is there any, anything else you feel like bantering about? Because I feel like that's a very significant piece of news that we need to talk about uh, after we talk about some other stuff. So if there's anything else you would like to talk about before moving into a, uh, our first segment, uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. Nah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Okay. Well, then that'll move us into our first segment, where, uh, where we tell everybody about our alcohol that we're drinking in What's Your Swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Uh, I made enchiladas for lunch, so I have Modelo. Oh, there you go. Uh, as for me, I went specially out to the ABC store at 8 o'clock last night, because apparently, and I did <laughs> not know this, uh, it closes at 9, 1, and 2, it's not open on Sundays. So I was like, shit. So I ran out uh, and I got a bottle of Jack Daniels uh, because I decided to make, uh, in honor of the final season of the Kaminsky Method, uh, a Jack Daniels and Dr. Pepper, except it's Diet Dr. Pepper. Well, isn't that what he drank in the show? Yeah. Which is, yeah, Diet Dr. Pepper, I thought. Yeah, Diet, yeah, and that's what I have. Okay. So don't you worry your pretty little head. Well, no, you said you said accepted diet Dr Pepper, and I was like, "Wait, that is the thing he drank in the right. show." I, I said I got Dr Pepper, except it's diet Dr Pepper because I misspoke. Oh. I'm very good at misspeaking, despite the fact that we've done this for 252 episodes. <laughs> uh, that's good though. I I wanted to do the same thing, but just didn't. You're a monster. Uh, it's actually surprisingly tasty. Oh yeah, no. Dr Pepper pairs really well with a lot of stuff. I I like Diet uh, Dr Pepper with the wild turkey American honey. Hmm. But um, I don't know. I can't drink Jack Daniels though, cause uh, I had too many bad times. Bad bad time. Ha- happy party time. What was was uh, blackout experiences? And was was that the drink you were drinking the night sick. you returned from the bar and lost your poker walker? No, that was tequila. Uh, oh, that's right. I, I remember being there for that, and you were like, the story was that you, you bought uh, three shots of tequila for three separate people. Yeah. Two people were just like, nah, we're for, just going to go for home. For me, my girlfriend, and her friend, uh, and then they arrived, and they were like, well, I think we're going to head out now. So I just had the three, and I was like, well, I'm not wasting my money. Right, because who wastes their money like that? And then I lost my $160 iPod. Yeah, not a good night for you. 
<laughs> uh, potentially lose yeah, maybe fun. $15 worth of tequila or $160 iPad. You choose. Or iPod. Whatever the fuck it is. Eh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. All right. And with that, uh, it's time to get into the news and talk about what I feel is the most significant cancellation Netflix has ever had. Oh, shit, it's mail time. Yeah, so uh, Jupiter's Legacy officially has gotten the axe. Uh, it, it is gone. Uh, despite when we talked about it and how much we didn't like it, how you said that you guarantee there will be a season two, uh, there won't be. Okay, so knowing the... Okay, so let's, let's go off of this. Had I known the information that I know now, I would never have said such a thing. Right. Right, because... Uh, so, so this was just kind of what I, what I wrote up about it, so... Yep. I actually took notes on this subject. This is the first time I've ever taken notes about news ever. <laughs> so apparently Netflix spent $200 million on this show, mm -hmm. which... Which my my question is fucking where did it go? Because it looks like they spent two hundred million dollars making it look like they spent like thirty million dollars on it. Right. Like they they blew all their visual effects budget to make it look like they were doing cheap effects. I don't know. Uh, and and like all the characters were wearing ten dollar wigs from Party City. So, uh, in the research, it, it turns out the original showrunner left, like, halfway through production. So, they wound up doing a lot of reshoots for a lot of stuff. So, that's where a lot of the budget went, was reshoots. Uh, probably reacquiring permits. Plus, I believe they also filmed a bit during COVID times. So, mm -hmm. it was a lot of, like, sanitizing and stuff. So, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff that yeah. was shot during COVID that well, just looks... And is like way over budget. It just looks stupid on paper, yeah. Right. Um, but like it breaks down to twenty five million dollars per episode plus whatever they spent to acquire the Miller World IP. Uh, so this is one of the most expensive TV shows ever. Like it's on par with WandaVision, and this is what they end up with three years after developing the the Miller World yeah. IP. I'm so angry about this. Yeah. Like, if you had told me it was a $200 million budget for the show, for this, this one season, I would have said, oh, there's no way this gets renewed now. There's, it, there's yeah. this, it, that's just not possible. Well, it's just, it's just such a poor return on investment, and, like, I don't know why... I don't know why they feel like they have to stick to their guns and, like, actually bring stuff to the platform. It, like, if it's becoming prohibitively expensive, like, they, they should have set, like, a firm... Even just like eighty to a hundred million dollars, and just say we're not spending more than this. Uh, and like, if right. they can't get it done, they they stop production and take the loss rather than like double their loss. No, that like that's fair. Uh, I will cite then uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, arguably one of the worst game launches of all time. Like people internally knew that the game wasn't ready. But the board of directors went, we're a publicly traded company, therefore we need to dump this out there because we need to get some return on our investment. And I guess Netflix yeah. had a, a similar line of thinking where they're just like, we just need to fucking stop burning through cash on this and just put it out there. Sure. 
And that's that's the other thing is like they're they're obtuse about it, but like how many people like how much did Jupiter's legacy fucking drive subscriber like sign up and stuff? Probably very little. I'm gonna say not at all. Because Yeah, I don't think it I don't think at all. One of the canaries in the coal mine that I thought about like as soon as it, as the show got canceled was where is the projection tweet after one week where it's like hey we project this will be viewed by 54 million households in its first four weeks or something like that we never got that from netflix we got that for like zack snyder's army of the dead and like other such shows we never got that for this show and also it was canceled uh under a month to the day uh from when it premiered like i think it was four weeks later on the day it was like Done, canceled, done. We we want nothing more to do with this show. So all that tells me is nobody watched it. Well, someone brought up a good point on Twitter. They were like, people probably watched like the first couple episodes, but then didn't finish the show. And Netflix went, oh, not enough people are finishing the show. Fuck it. Yeah, because it was like number one for a day or so when it came out. But I feel like just nobody was talking about it. Like, that, like that's most of what I do socially is talk about movies and shit. Mm-hmm. And I didn't hear fucking anybody other than you talk about this show. Yeah. And I, I follow people online and most of the people were saying like, oh, this fucking sucks. This show is terrible. Why? Like, what, what even happened? And I didn't even find this out until I was on Twitter the other day as well. Apparently, uh... The review embargo was up on release date, which, what I knowing what I know about video game releases, if the the review embargo is up on release date, that's a very bad sign that whoever's putting it out thinks it fucking sucks. Yeah, that's true. Netflix is trying to spin it, being like, hey, no, we didn't actually cancel the show, we're just moving it to an anthology format. And it's like, but the show was a narrative show, and it followed these characters, and you've left a, you left the first season, despite what you think about it, you left the first season on a fucking cliffhanger of like, oh my god, we finally know who the supervillain is, and then all of a sudden you're like, eh, whatever, it's done, we don't care anymore, and you cancel the show, and you're like, eh, we're gonna move on to a different group of people who are potentially more interesting. I was like, what is that? That tells you everything you need to know about, like, how bungled this shit was. Yeah. So. And then we never talked about it again. Yeah. Uh, I'll be interested to see when, I think it's called Super Crooks, comes out. Like, I'm sure they'll, they'll label the, se- the season, like, Jupiter's Legacy Super Crooks, or whatever. Or maybe they'll just go super crooks to get away from the fact that it's a Jupiter's Legacy show. Because they want to wash away that stink. But, uh, man. What a... Just catastrophic disaster this is. To spend that kind of money... <laughs> uh, to wait to get, wait this long to give us a Miller World production and it fucking blows. And then you immediately cancel it. Does not bode well. No. Uh, speaking of not boating well, specifically for Caleb, uh, the renewal for Shadow and Bone Season 2 leaked ahead of Netflix's Geeked Week. Uh, 
what happened uh, was I, I wish I was dead. Uh, I also wish you were dead. But what happened was that uh, Netflix apparently released, like uploaded a bunch of um, like a uh, renewal announcements and that kind of stuff for shows uh, up on their YouTube channel, uh, and like they accidentally tweeted out this one uh, as opposed to uh, scheduling the tweet. And the video link only showed as unlisted and not private, so everyone could click on, click on it, and so everyone saw that we're getting a Shadow and Bone Season 2 confirmed. If there's a nerdy thing you care about, it's probably going to be talked about uh, during Geeked Week. I say this as somebody who uh, probably spends like three to four hundred dollars monthly on Magic the Gathering cards. I fucking hate geek culture, and I don't give a shit about this. Uh, sure. Basically, this is ta- this is like Netflix's E3 press conference, where they're just like, hey, look, we got this thing coming, we got this thing coming, we got this thing coming, look at this trailer for this thing. Are you, are you excited? Do you have phones? Don't you have phones? <laughs> we, ha- we have a-, a platform for people who don't want to be always connected to the internet. It's called Netflix DVDs. What a concept. Uh, that, that, of course, is referencing uh, the Xbox One reveal where uh, Don Matrick was asked, well, what if you had... Basically, uh, Xbox One was an always online console. Like, it was constantly going to be checking to make sure your console was online. And somebody asked him, like, so what if somebody doesn't have a good enough internet connection or doesn't want to constantly be badgered with online check-ins? And he just went, well, we have an offline console for folks. Uh, it's called the Xbox 360, and I just went, well, you just <laughs> lost. Infamous moment. Loved it. And so I don't know why they let, like, the tech guys or the, like, the CEOs and shit do those things. Like, I don't know. Should hire, like, actual PR people to do it. The one exception is Reggie from Nintendo. Uh, that's That's true. Also, Todd Howard in his jacket. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, And that is it. That is all the news we have for this week. Uh, That means it's time to get into Downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! And I will kick things off with Headspace, Unwind Your Mind. Or wait, Headspace, colon, Unwind Your Mind, colon, an interactive experience. How are you feeling today? What would you like to do? Meditate, relax, or sleep? You choose. Headspace Unwind Your Mind is an interactive experience that allows you to click and choose your own personalized breathing exercise. No matter what mind you have today, you can return tomorrow for an entirely different experience. Uh, So, I don't know, this is what, the second thing that the Headspace meditation app has done in collaboration with Netflix? Yep. So, So, uh, yeah. It's a tool you can use if it helps you. Yep. I have no opinion on it one way or the other. Yes. All right. Uh, Next up, we have Sisters on the Track. An intimate portrait of girlhood following three determined sisters in Brooklyn as they race against all odds on a journey toward hope, belonging, and a brighter future. Three track star sisters faced obstacles in life and in competition as they pursue junior Olympic dreams in this extraordinary coming-of-age journey. Yeah, uh, this looks like a nice so. docu-story thing about uh, three yeah. girls 
who are talented at running. It's like a nice, nice feel good thing. I don't know. I um, it's just I don't know. It's not really for me, but no, nah. it's fine. It's fine for people who are interested in this. Hun DP. Our, our next trailer is for We the People. This series of 10 animated music videos brings musicians and directors together to remix civics for a new generation. Learn the basics of rights and citizenship with upbeat songs by popular artists like Janelle Monet, H.E.R., Adam Lambert, Brandy Carlisle, and more. Uh, hey, yeah. you boomers, do you remember Schoolhouse Rock? This is Schoolhouse Rock yeah, for a new say, generation. Has a, it has a Schoolhouse Rock feel, so. I don't know. I saw there's there's one thing on here that I guess was uh, uh, Amanda Gorman did it, which she's the the poet who read at Biden's inauguration. So that's interesting, I guess. Hmm. Uh, so if you feel like you need a civics lesson, first listen to Caleb Breeze, the Constitution, and then uh, watch this. <laughs> I did read the Constitution. It took you 50 minutes. And you apologized to me three times. Yeah. Sometimes I don't words good. It's kind of hard to read. I even read the problematic parts that they had to change later. I know, right? <laughs> Those were some oofa doofus. All right. Next trailer is for Audible. Uh, get it. It's like hearing and also when you call an Audible in football. Yes. Uh, football player... Amory McKenstry Hall and his Maryland School for the Deaf teammates attempt to defend their winning streak while coming to terms with the tragic loss of a close friend. The graduating students face mounting pressures of entering the hearing world while tackling adversity and demanding to be heard in this moving coming-of-age story. I don't know why they have... <laughs> when they do stuff like this, I don't know why they have to put in a bunch of puns about sound. It's like, oh, they're, it's kids from a deaf school going out in the world and they demand to be heard. And it's like, do you really have to phrase it that way? Yes. Yes, they do. Otherwise, they, wanna, they want you to understand how clever they are. But, oh, this looks good. It's another sport documentary. Yeah. And, and it's a short, so it's probably 40 minutes. So it's not like you waste your entire life watching it. Yeah. Brace yourself. The next one is uh, the trailer for America, the motion picture. For like thousands of years, the origins of the United States of America have remained shrouded in mystery, lost to the sands of time. Uh, that's not true. Um, the, oh, no. He, he's already mad. <laughs> I'm already mad. Uh, who built this country tis of thee and why? Only the dinosaurs know until now. For the first time in human history, the incredible, completely true story of Americans' origins are revealed in America, the motion picture, a once-in-a-lifetime cultural event available the only way the Founding Fathers ever intended the story to be told on Netflix on your phone. June 30th. Uh, starring America's sweethearts Channing Tatum, Jason Manzukas, Olivia Munn, uh, Judy Greer, Bobby Moynihan, Raul Max Trujillo, Killer Mike, Andy Samberg, Will Forte, and Simon Pegg. Uh, one of those people is British. Um, a lot of the rest of them are terrible. Channing Tatum's inoffensive. Andy Samberg's pretty good. 
Uh, Bobby Moynihan has some real problems with a piece of toast. I was going to ask, where's piece of toast in all of this? Yeah. Um, a chainsaw-wielding George Washington teams with beer-loving bro Sam Adams to take down the Brits in a tongue-in-cheek riff on the American Revolution. Uh, let me tell you about the American Revolution. Uh, the reason that America declared independence was because the Founding Fathers were oligarchs who weren't willing to give up their slaves when the British government told them that they should give up their slaves. Uh, the history of America... And the revolution is the history of anti-black racism and anti-native racism. And that's the whole story of America. So uh, I, I have a problem with, you know, uh, steroid George Washington teaming up with black people and Native Americans uh, who almost 100% would have fought for the British during the Revolutionary War. So uh, I can't wait to hate America. The motion picture. Okay. I, I, I say all this as somebody who cares deeply about America and did read the entire Constitution. Uh, it's true. <laughs> I looked at this trailer and just went, this is either going to be fucking terrible or uh, amazing. And there's no in between. So we'll, we'll see when this comes out uh, how I feel. I don't know. I guess they're trying to do a Team America. I guess. I don't know. I guess they're trying to like. Cause this comes out on the the thirtieth of June, so it's it's there for that the uh, Fourth of so July it's for weekend. Fourth, yeah. Uh, that's uh, yeah. Uh, uh, that's my opinion on it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> As you can tell, I've I've pretty much already made up my mind that I'm gonna hate it, and true. I'm gonna have to hear a, a whole bunch of people tell me how good it is. Okay. Well, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that your life is, is now ruined. <laughs> but you know what will unruin uh, it? Uh, our next trailer, which is for Big Timber. A no-nonsense logger and his loyal crew battle brutal elements and in finicky machines to chop down and transport valuable lumber on Vancouver Island. Uh, that's it. That's, that's all there is. Caleb, who, who gives a shit? Uh, I give a shit, and I'm prepared to have strong opinions about this and pick it apart, uh, because I used to be a logger and currently work in the lumber industry, so um, I I will uh, point out everything they get wrong, because like, they're, they're going to be doing it stupidly so that they can film it for their reality television. Oh, oh my. Uh, I didn't even look at the uh, like-to-dislike ratio. But uh, we're we're at a two to one like to dislike ratio. <laughs> oh my goodness! And and the big complaint is that uh, well, first of all, somebody said they canceled Jupiter's Legacy for this. Uh, I'm sure this co- this show costs uh, a whole nickel. Th- this costs this show costs no money. So like, why wouldn't you you do this? Uh, also, the, but the main the main thing is is uh, everyone's complaining about the logging industry. Uh, when Netflix is also doing David Attenborough uh, uh, documentaries about saving the planet. Yeah, yeah, the logging industry has been taking a lot of heat, especially in Canada, because they're um, they're they're harvesting a lot of old growth unnecessarily. So, 
Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if the show ever comes back, because uh, a lot of people seem to hate it already. Well, the loud voices are not always the, the common voices. Oh, I'm aware. There are a lot of people being like, Netflix is such a piece of shit for canceling uh, Jupiter's Legacy. I'm like, are they, though? I'm pretty sure Ice Road Truckers ran for like 87 years and nobody fucking liked Jupiter's Legacy. It's just like those five people who are really vocal about it. Yeah, I know. That's that's why I'm like, it's a a vocal minority. Also, like there are people being like, uh, now I won't watch anything. Now I don't want to watch anything that gets a first season on Netflix. And my retort is always the same. Uh, Hey, hey, I won't watch anything that that I know isn't renewed for a a first a second season. Well, then, well, then it's not going to get renewed, right? And then the show gets canceled. And like, look, my idea, my thought process is correct. It's like, no, (laughs) you're just fucking stupid. (sighs) I'm not fucking stupid, but I used to. (sighs) Uh, Did you watch anything this week? Uh, I'm still watching JoJo. About halfway through, uh, Diamond is Unbreakable, mm. um, and we finally got introduced to the main villain of Yoshikage Kira. Um, it's a pretty good show. I like it. Okay. Uh, I didn't watch anything on Netflix, but I was watching The Flight Attendant on HBO. Uh, it stars uh, Bing Bong Theory's Kaylee Kuoko. Uh, and and it's nice to see her try to act as opposed to, you know... Going through the paycheck for Bing Bong. Hmm. Um, there is one other thing I guess I can talk about real quick. Uh, Vanessa started watching Kim's Convenience, uh, because it got added to Netflix. And, uh, boy, this, this show is, uh, really, really funny. Um, it's about, uh, a Korean immigrant couple and their, uh, Canadian children and the the convenience store that they own and operate. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just like, uh, kind of a cultural divide. Cause like, um, Mr. Kim, the, the dad is like, not like he never fully assimilated, but then like the, the kids aren't like quote unquote, like Korean. Cause they didn't grow up there. And so I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's an interesting dynamic and there's, I wouldn't say like a bevy of these kind of like uh like new immigrant stories but like I I like I enjoy seeing them and this is like the only real Korean centric show that I can think of uh which is also why it's like really disappointing cuz I I didn't know anything about this show hadn't heard of it and uh so I, I googled it, so I was like, oh, I want, I want to find out more about this show, uh, only to find out that it, it just got put on Netflix all five seasons uh, after it was unceremoniously cancelled so that the uh, fucking crackers that produce it could, like, do a spin-off series about the the only white character on the show, I guess. Wait, I don't know, what? everybody's very upset about it. Yeah, like, I guess they just, like, didn't resolve a lot of the plot lines and stuff and just, like, kind of quietly canceled it and swept it under the rug. And, like, all the actors are super pissed. Uh, and they're doing a, a spinoff about the white character who is, like, a cat lady. Uh, it's a series called Strays. Oh, my. It is. But, um, 
So that's kind of sad, and I'm going to be sad if I end up getting really into it and not being able to, like, get, like, a good resolution from it. But also, like, the show is legitimately very, very funny, uh, and you should watch it. Okay. Uh, so the one of the one of the guys in Ken's Convenience is uh, I, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing this properly. Uh, yeah, Simu he, Lee. he's Shang Chi. Yeah, he's going to be Shang Chi, and he literally said, "I will not appear in the spinoff." Yeah, he's big mad about it. Because what this is, a, I think I think it's a CBC show. Yep, CBC. Mm-hmm. But all right, yeah, that's everything. I'm fascinated by this. Oh, due to the oh, so it's canceled because the co-creators left. It's probably because they got forced into leaving because you know that's how that works. Yeah, because the studio the studio got their little claws in it, and I think I think the only person that that doesn't happen to is Chuck Lorre. Uh, so why don't we take a quick break and talk about the Kaminsky Method season three? The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our main view topic for the week, The Kaminsky Method, Season 3. All right. The Kaminsky Method is a comedy drama series on Netflix. It is an 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, It began in 2018 and just wrapped up with its third season. An aging actor who long ago enjoyed a brush with fame makes his living as an acting coach. Uh, So basically, this is about Michael Douglas, who plays Sandy Kaminsky. complaining that his students don't take him seriously and uh yelling at his uh, best friend and loved ones and uh he's constantly burdened by them and he has a lot of problems with those people and they're going to hear about it um what did you think of season 3 Dan so i mean the the big thing we talked about in the trailer when we talked about the trailer was that Alan Arkin wasn't around and i wasn't mm-hmm. sure how that was going to go and for the most part, it was fine. I definitely missed him in this season, but yes. I think that's kind of the point. Because uh, like he was such a huge presence in the first two seasons, and I don't know why they didn't get him to come back. He was in, you know, a couple scenes, but, um, but yeah, like the the main thrust of the plot in this is that he he passes away, and and Sandy has to kind of comes to terms with that because he's already lost like most of the people that he cares about Mm. and just you know uh because time always wins in the end like how does he how does he keep going so uh i did a little bit of research and it turns out that alan arkin may have retired from acting 
but apparently, uh, as of May, he now wants to start acting again. So I don't know if he just was like, I can't get out of my fucking contract on this show that I don't want to do anymore. So I'm just going to say I retired. And, oh, I, I guess I'm unretired. Like, he's Brett Farving, basically. Maybe he just hates being at home. Hates his wife. Meh. <laughs> Shocked Who that knows? she's still alive at whatever age she is, but good for her. I don't know. I feel like Alan Arkin could get uh, a younger wife, maybe. Hmm. Uh, what did you think? Uh, I I liked it quite a bit. Um, I've always enjoyed the show, and uh, I don't know. I thought I thought it was a good kind of wrap up and good send off to the characters. So, so I, I guess like the big main cast addition to the show was Kathleen Turner uh, as Sandy's ex wife. Uh, what were your yeah. feelings about her? So they kind of add her as like a new uh, antagonist that becomes a best friend since Alan Arkin is missing. Uh, so we have uh, Mindy, who is Sandy's daughter, played by Sarah Baker, uh, who is just a gem in this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like. Her relationship is progressing with Martin, played by Paul Reiser, uh, which like that was like the main conflict in season two is like she's dating this older guy. Um, He's so old. And Sandy kind of has to so old uh, and he has to come to terms with that. But like. So since that's progressing and like. It's looking like they're going to get married. um, She comes back to you know, spend some time with her daughter and help with the wedding and everything. And Sandy and her have to decide if they're going to get along or not. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's where, that's where most of kind of the, the tender heartfelt moments in this season kind of spring from. Yeah. I enjoyed her. Like she's not Alan Arkin in terms of like their dynamic, but she fills that kind of role with him. It's, uh, it's less witty and more just like straight up, hey, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. But like she delivers it so deadpan that it's just fucking hilarious. Yeah. So I I, I quite liked her addition to the show. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad they got her uh, as as a foil, because I don't know if Sandy works without a foil, uh, you know, uh, like. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Yeah, he's an asshole, and he needs someone to keep him in check. And if there's no one there who can keep him in check, it's he's just gonna kind of run rampant. Mm. Not as only a human, but as a character, and I don't feel like that'd be uh, very good for the show. Um, yeah, like another big plot element is like, so, uh, Norman, whenever he passed Alan Arkin's character, uh, he names Sandy the executor of his estate. Uh, so his dumbass daughter and grandson are like trying to get all the money off of him. And he says, like, now, if you don't accept the terms that I set, like all the money goes to charity and you get nothing for your inheritance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he left uh, Mindy a large sum of money. And like Sandy tells her not to tell Paul Reiser about it because he thinks that uh paul riser's kind of a fucking tit and like isn't gonna react well to it but then you know she's like well i love i love him i have to talk to him about it 
So then she does, and then he goes out and buys a fucking Porsche. Uh, and and Sandy's just like, see, you see, do you see? I like that Sandy gets those moments where he's like, ah, yes, everything that I said was going to happen happened. <laughs> yeah, if I had Paul's soundboard, I would play the sound that goes vindication. Uh, but you don't. So you did the sound clip yourself, and that's funnier. And explained it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I don't know. There's there's kind of, like, just some real good character moments. Like, uh, like one of his main students, Margaret, um, she gets cast in a as a series regular in a TV show. It's like the rest of the acting class is being real shitty to her because she's jealous. And she has to kind of navigate that. Yeah. Um, Sandy gives him a speech, and he's like, hey, stop being assholes. Like, go support each other, you know, whether that's through, like, the good times or the bad times. And then he leaves, and they're yeah. like, so that was just some hippy-dippy bullshit, right? And like, abso fucking Lily, I'm not doing that. I don't know. Because, like, if you suddenly had $10 million one day, that absolutely would change your life. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I do kind of like how Paul Reiser's like, you know, that money's not going to change me at all. And then Sandy walks out, and then he's like, and then yeah. he goes and buys a big stupid car and then like for the rest of the season he's complaining to Mindy that their TV's not big enough and I saw it that TV's not big enough man like I, I don't care what Mindy says that TV's <laughs> not big enough but he, he doesn't need like the 100 incher that he wants like I have a fucking 65 inch television in my living room uh, it cost me $1600 like come on but like also they like the show concerns actors and like uh the film and television industry so like like the characters probably care about having giant TVs so uh sure i i don't know why he would have such a tiny TV and it makes me sad yeah well also uh the funniest part was when they were uh it was like uh Martin Mindy Sandy and uh Roz watching a, a movie and it was apparently a paul riser movie with kevin bacon yeah and and he's like uh complaining about you know how the characters look and shit yeah yeah i definitely picked up on that that was pretty funny yeah. uh, i had to be told because i'm like i have no idea what that movie is i couldn't even tell you, you like you could hold a gun to my head and be like dan yeah. what is that movie and i'd be like eh. i don't know what the movie was but i recognized paul riser in it so yeah. I heard him talk, and I'm like, oh, it is Paul Reiser. But until he spoke, I had no idea. Can we talk about the worst character that's ever existed in the show? Uh, yeah, Martin's mother. Oh, my God. The, the horrible old troll of a woman. I just... I just don't understand, Caleb. I, I don't understand why she was in the show for as long as she was. Yeah, she's just there to be awful. And to cause strife between Mindy and Martin, but like they wrap that up real quickly, and then there's like no real follow up to it mm -hmm. other than like her continuing to be terrible. So, like, I don't know. Yeah. And then they have that whole sequence where she dies, or we think she dies, and like it's supposed to be like this slapstick comedy routine of Paul Reiser. Uh, a, a very old man trying to get his uh, even trying older mother into a car. Into the car, yeah. 
And it's like, this isn't funny. This kid standing there doesn't make this funny. Like, this just isn't, this isn't funny. It's like, it's like the Chuck Lorre-ness of the show started to creep in towards the end of the the series. And it's like, I guess it's a good thing the show isn't continuing. Because, because I don't, I don't want to see where this would go afterwards. I don't know. And then, like, at the end, they do the reveal that she actually didn't die, but had a stroke, and it shows her, like, sitting there in a helmet and like just like moaning and yelling but like that's meant to be played for comedic effect mm-hmm. i guess so i don't know i i don't know why they had to do that the sh- they were doing so well they were doing so well and then and then they introduced that character and, and maybe it's because alan arkin kind of backed him into a corner cuz also this was a 6 season episode as opposed to i think 10 before I think season two may have been eight. Yeah. I don't remember. But maybe they got backed into like a narrative corner. And so they had to keep at like they were writing stuff. And then it was like, oh, shit's changed. Because Alan Arkin's gone. We have to change how we're doing a lot of stuff. So they're just like, okay, fuck it. We'll just leave the character here for an additional episode. Who cares? There's a couple other things that like I don't want to get too spoilery on, but. um. I don't know. I'm good. To, I'm good to just kind of wrap it up. Yeah. Here, if you're if you're comfortable with that, uh, I, I will. I will say, I guess, just as a a quick thing, because this isn't too spoilery, but like uh, the the addition of Morgan Freeman for a couple episodes is fucking great. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, and I'm I'm so pleased and impressed that they just got Morgan Freeman to come and do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't want. I don't want to give away the, the very end of the show. Uh, like the final episode, I feel like is very satisfying to, mm-hmm. to after, especially considering like the very beginning of the show. Like the very beginning of the se- season is not very satisfying because it just starts with uh, Norman's death, and like Ashley was like, "Well, this isn't satisfying at all." Like narratively, it's not satisfying. I'm like, "Well, unfortunately," and this is how you can spin it. Uh, life sometimes isn't satisfying. You know, people have stories that could potentially wrap up and need to see a clean finish, and then all of a sudden they're just dead one day. And it's just how life is. Yeah. And that's kind of how they're treating it. Now, of course... Yeah, most uh, most times when somebody leaves your life, it's just really quick and unceremonious and sudden. Yeah. So, I like, I was fine with how they handled it. Uh, they they seem to be very respectful. Uh and and they did that. Uh, then they had uh, Lisa Edelstein and uh, Haley Joel Osment be uh, money grubbers for an entire fucking season, uh, culminating oh, yeah. in uh, the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But also, it was kind of funny how it resolved. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was waiting for that to go one way, uh, and then it kind of did a a quick turn. But like the way it actually went was pretty funny too. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I I'm I'm pretty good there. Uh watch watch the show. Watch watch yeah. every part of the show, including the first two seasons. What would you rate this season? I like a lot of it. Uh I fucking hate Martin's mother. Her character kind of brings down the ending of the show cuz it's like I don't give a shit about her and I want her to be just gone. Not dead, but just gone. Uh so 
but like all the other stuff is really good too. Like there's very little I have have problems with. So I'm I'm gonna go a uh, a solid three and a half. Yeah. Uh, for the same reasons, I am also giving it a three and a half. Hey, there we go. Uh, so with that, we're going to cut and do another quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about a patron requested review for the history of future folk. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into a patron-requested review for the history of Future Folk. Well, fine, if you don't want my money... You mean, if we watched terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the Patreon Review segment. Alright, uh, The History of Future Folk is a 2012 comedy music sci-fi movie. Uh, it's a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, the possibly exaggerated origin story of the real-life alien bluegrass band Future Folk uh, that has been playing for New York City audiences for the better part of a decade. Uh, this is directed by John Mitchell and Jeremy Kip Walker, uh, written by John Mitchell and stars uh, Nils Dolaire, uh, Jay Clates, and Julianne Emery. Uh, what did you think of the history of future folk? Uh, I liked it. I'm actually kind of surprised at how much I liked it. Like, I, I felt yeah. like it was kind of obvious where it was going from the start, uh, especially with, you know, how the whole thing begins. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a nice little movie that's a little bit funny, uh, a lot a bit cheesy, but enjoyable. Yeah, I quite liked it. Um, well, it's just a, a goofy thing about like it's basically if uh you mash up like Oh Brother Where Art Thou and Guar and Tenacious D and The Pick of Destiny, I guess. Um, kinda. It's definitely like the the Pick of Destiny of this band that has apparently been going since two thousand four. Like, it's an actual real band, mm -hmm. uh, and if you didn't know that, uh, there's an actual real band known as the History of Future Folk, or, I'm sorry, just Future Folk. Yeah, and they uh, they dress in, like, cheap-looking space suits, and they, they say that they're aliens, and they play bluegrass music. Yeah. And it's, it's all improvised, it's very funny. Uh, like, I don't know, it's... 
I mean, you say it's cheap looking costumes. I don't think this movie looks cheap, despite the fact that like this is a not well known no, band really. and it was probably made for around a million dollars. Like I, I think it looks pretty good for the fact that it's a very budget movie. Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't know how really else to explain this. And I like the plot is pretty simple and straightforward. Um it's silly. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it kind of has a Coneheads vibe to it of just like aliens trying to assimilate, but just being fucking weird and goofy. Right. Um. So I don't know. I uh, I recommend this. I don't really know how to talk about it further. So unless you have something really to add, I like if if you can get on board with the concept that it's it's aliens who. Uh, decided not to destroy the Earth because they heard music and other planets don't have music and they liked it. Uh, if you can get on board with that concept, uh, this movie probably will work for you. Yep. Uh, I think my favorite part about the movie is that, for whatever reason, D. Snyder is in this movie. Yeah, D. Snyder's the owner of the bar where they <laughs> play at. Uh, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's it was really weird because I was like, he introduces him, at, like at the be like he introduces the one guy at the beginning of the movie, and I'm like, oh okay, D. Snyder's a, a quick little cameo as the, a guy who runs a, an establishment where they play music. Like, okay, that's a cool. Yeah, and then cameo. he's just a character. Yeah, and then he comes <laughs> back like four times in the movie and for elongated parts. I'm like, what the fuck? How did they get D. Snyder to do this movie? Yeah. He's good in it. I like him. I'm not saying, like, give him a lead role in, you know, fucking Scorsese's next movie, but, you know, for what they had him do, he was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Uh, What would you give The History of Future Folk? Uh, Very short review. I would give it three and a half. I think it's a good little movie. Uh, There's... They they know how to shoot a movie and they they know how to like get around stuff that uh they're not probably best suited for like there's quote unquote action scenes that they kind of cut around quite a bit uh but it still looks mm-hmm. semi believable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh it's three and a halfs all the way down this week. Yeah. I'm 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 so happy. <sighs> all right. Uh, well, next week, uh, we are going to be watching Wish Dragon. Yes. Uh, starring the Command Zone's Jimmy Wong. Uh, and on the back half of that, uh, yeah, let's, uh, you have a sweet tooth tentatively in the schedule here. I'm, I'm good with that. Okay, cool. So we'll watch Sweet Tooth. Sounds, sounds good. Sounds nice. Sounds... I don't know. Uh, other words for nice. Okay, so spooky thing. I hope you're ready for this. Uh, we talked about Kim's convenience. Uh, I looked it up on my uh, my 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 computer. I immediately go to Netflix on my computer, and what is my banner ad? They know. They're always watching. Yeah. Uh, apparently, I need to reset cookies somewhere because I don't I don't need this shit in my life. <laughs> uh, tell them stuff, Dan. 
Uh, you can find our podcast at netflixandswill.com. It's your one-stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill, including links to our Patreon page, where you can contrib- contribute to us at any dollar level uh, in order to support our show. And if you contribute at the $5 level, you can tell us something you want us to watch every quarter, like uh, Ben Kiefer did this week. So thank you, Ben, being an awesome supporter of our show at not just the $5 level, but the uh, million-dollar level that you support us at. Uh, also, uh, the Quite the Thing Media Awards, uh, Media Podcast Awards thing. Uh, the link is in the show notes. Vote for us. What will we do if we win? Eh. Probably nothing. Probably just say thank you Prob- and move on with our lives. Probably the same shit, yeah. Uh, thank you to Space Weather for the use of her theme song, Bitter. Uh, it's, it's a bop. It, it is. And uh, until next week, this is Caleb saying... We will see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.